What's up, team? Before we head into the episode, I just wanted to take a second to give a special shout out to Just Move. That is my online subscription platform. I have hundreds of workouts over on Just Move, anything from cardio, strength, mobility. We even have other coaches on there. You can do yoga, dance, and so much more. And right now, we have 50% off an annual membership. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to JustMove.com and let's get moving. What's up, team, and welcome to the Kaisa Show. We have a very, very special show in store because we have a very special guest. Luca, how are you doing? What up? <laughs> caffeine is kicking in. I'm on an up, up and up crescendo right now. So Yeah, how many good. C4s are you on right now? The first one. Ending oh, this it. Is... I'm ending it, though. Okay. I'm but he has another, it. a full another C4 right here. Team, so we are going to have a discussion about recovery today because I, I feel like recovery has been the number one questions that I've been receiving. And then personally, I'm in a season of massive recovery. And so, you know, selfishly, I want to dig into this topic, but also the people really want to hear from you about this. So we're really excited to to dive in. You're going to be subject A oh. every time we talk about oh, a topic. Oh, that's nice. Kaisa will be subject to it. Well, in Kaisa's situation, <laughs> yeah. here's what's happening. I feel like that's good. I'm going to benefit from that. So I appreciate yeah. that. I have, I have some personal uh, scenarios. Hey, I'd like we to can run bring you into this. We can bring you into this. You're, no problem. You're, you're subject B. Wait, Mike. Subject B. How are you doing? Sorry, I didn't mean to leave you that's out. Cool. We I get know. a guest team. You know, but you're we not see a how guest. it really goes. <laughs> I'm good, you know, I'm excited to talk recovery. I'm currently, you know, still recovering from my Spartan race and just got a couple weird things going on. So I'm kind of treating this like a little bit like a doctor's appointment. (laughs) Of course. I got to put put my robe on. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Call him Dr. Luca. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, can we dive in? Let's dive in. All right. So, Luca, what is recovery? Can we get like this like overarching description? Or definition of what recovery is. Yeah. I'm going to try to keep it not too geeky. But um, if everybody, anybody that's ever heard of homeostasis. Okay, homeostasis means where our body, that's where our body wants to keep us, right? Where it's healthy. Think of uh, blood pressure, your heart rate, your, your body temperature, right? If you go too far out of homeostasis, like you die. <laughs> no bueno. So your body wants to keep you in homeostasis. Stress is when there's something, there's an input that basically gets you, not gets you out, but starts getting you out of homeostasis, right? So if I go and lift a weight or sprint really fast, what happens? Heart rate goes up. You know, if I'm lifting a heavy weight, blood pressure goes up, right? And so the, and there's different ways that you can stress the body. There's physical stress. Obviously, there's mental stress. We'll talk about the mental stress part of it later. Um, and then recovery essentially ends up becoming your body working to get itself back into homeostasis right and it's and it's the chemical processes that happen to get you back right so if i'm going to lift uh you know go do a hard training session my nervous system is going to be uh more fatigued right and then of course like my my muscle tissue is going to be fatigued and what happens after that your body's going to do a whole bunch of stuff to try to get it back into that homeostasis and prepare it for the next time meaning so that's why if you lift weights your bones get denser, you know, you put, you put on muscle. If you do conditioning, obviously your VO2 max can improve. You build more mitochondria, 
right? So it's always going to, your, your body's going to, is built for survival, right? It doesn't care about your six pack abs and how fast you right? You run and all that good stuff. Like it just wants to make sure it keeps you alive. That's, that's number one, right? That's the most important thing that it does. So essentially recovery ends up being it putting things into process to get you back into homeostasis. Like that's the one-on-one of that. Luca. Okay, team, we're going to pause for one second. That was so good because here's the thing. Before we went on this podcast, I told Luca he can talk about things in such intense detail that they can go on for five to ten minutes and then I lose and then I can't even remember what he's talking about. So I need bite-sized pieces (laughs) of information and then I need to be able to ask a question. And so I told Luca, listen, you have to bite-size it for me so I can interject, ask questions. And also, I don't want everybody listening to think I'm rude because I'm interrupting. Luca, high five from a across the table that that was so awesome one of the number one things also is the statement you made to me the other day and you said kaisa you cannot you can only train as hard as you can recover and that was like such i made you say it like 10 times and then i posted it and now i have that in my brain can you break that down for a second yeah well and we'll and we'll probably dive deeper into that because there's multiple facets to to this um I'll mention it right now. So there's five things that we'll kind of touch on today. Uh, one is move. Two is train. Three is eat. Four is sleep. And then five is regenerate. Right? And each one of those plays a role in recovery. Um, but really what it comes down to is that, and I would say most people listening to this have probably experienced it, even though they may not have been able to kind of like put their finger on it. Right. Example. Right. They, they they're like, oh, I'm going to get in shape. And, you know, you start training and you see results and then you hit a plateau and you hit a plateau and you train just as hard and you push yourself. and You start getting tired and exhausted. And you're like, man, my numbers are going down or like I'm not I don't feel like I'm getting stronger. Why am I always tired? You're training harder than you can recover from. Now, it may not be just your training and you're a perfect example right now where there's a lot of stuff going on in your life. There's stress going on. You have to factor all those things in, like stress from life, right? Stress is stress. So um, there, there's a, I'm going to reference books, obviously, you know that, right? But <laughs> from, a, you know, Sapolsky had, wrote a book, it's called Why um, Zebras Don't Have Ulcers, right? And it, really, if you think about it, you know, when you look at the animal kingdom, right, you, you have an animal that gets, for instance, attacked, okay, fight or flight, sympathetic nervous system. But then once that's done, they're going to chill, right? That's the only two things that happen. For humans, we have this thing called the prefrontal cortex, right? Consciousness. And so, you know, a threat, like no, no, no lion is attacking us right now. Or, you know, that what would be something like very, very uh, threatening, like actual, like real life threat would be, you know, somebody attacks you with a knife or something like that. Very, very not saying it doesn't happen, but very unlikely to happen, right? But what's a threat? You sit there and you think about your bills, stress, that's a, that's a perceived threat, right? You sit there thinking about something that happened that was stressful, you know, a trauma threat. Uh, you think about all the work that you have to do this, the rest of this week, stress. You think about your, your boyfriend, you know, it's like he's stressing you out, right? Th- this is all stress. Luckily, Kaiser doesn't have to think about that. Oh! <laughs> wow! Hey, well, How do you know that might have changed last night? Hey, listen, God. Like, <laughs> thankfully, we at least have one thing. We have one thing that we don't have to That's worry what I was about. Just, yeah. 
Because I was like, check, check, check. Oh, she actually had a reduction. That one we don't have. You know what? Hey, for good. right now, let's keep it that way to keep the stress low. Yes, 100%. Right. We are hot. closing the gates right now for Date Kaiser. Uh, we're not taking any uh, admission <laughs> at this Swipe time. Swipe down. Shots yeah, yeah, yeah. fired. Not left or Mike. right. Swipe down. Oh. That's a good one. <laughs> but yeah, but, stress. Sorry, I had to distract you. But, but there, there's... Um, and there's so many studies, and, and maybe we can even put it in the show notes if anybody wants to geek out. But if you, um, they, you know, they took a, a, a groups of people that were like high stress, moderate stress, and they did um, how fast they recovered from training sessions. And it was, I mean, dramatically faster that we're, we're talking about uh, the, their strength. For, for instance, the moderate or low stress group would do a strength training session within two days. They would repeat a strength training session, actually be stronger in that session. Uh, you know, high stress group, even after four days, they still couldn't, they were actually below that strength level. And these are, like I said, these are, these are pretty deep studies um, that you can look into. And it's not like a one-time thing. It's, there's been, you know, meta studies done on all this stuff. And the same goes for sleep, which I think we'll, we'll do as a separate kind of uh, topic. But again, like sleep is the ultimate kind of recovery tool right you don't sleep enough next day you're 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 tired you're grumpy you know you're still in sympathetic mode fight or flight you can't perform as well so it's not just the workout even though the workout is is one thing that we do have to look at that's why i said there's those five things that we look at um you got to look at everything that's happening in life and then you know adjust your training so for instance if you're stressed the hell out going all out in your training probably doesn't make the most sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen. And I do think oh, I lost my train of thought. It was so important. See? That, that that that, that Look, it wasn't that important then. That important, yeah. It's gonna come. It's gonna yeah. come. Do back you think there. so with sleep? I know we'll dive into that later, but with sleep, is it that you recover so much because it's like when your consciousness is sort of like turned off and you're not thinking about the bills or the things that you have going on is that part of why that, sleep is so recovery that that's a part of it but a bigger part of it is is uh think of it like this stress is catabolic right muscle so catabolic means breaking down right breaking down uh, i was tissues muscle and basically when you recover it's anabolic right so that's building up in mm -hmm. sleep is the most anabolic thing that we can do. Like, there, and if, if you, um, excellent book for, by Matthew Walker, uh, it's called Why We Sleep. Mm -hmm. And uh, another one from my friend Sean Stevenson is like Sleep Smarter. And you can kind of dive into, like the, when you start realizing all the things that happen during sleep, even our emotional health, you know, as we go through NREM and REM sleep, like our, you know, we take in so much data throughout the day when you sleep, basically what your brain does in a healthy way is like gets rid of all the stuff that you don't have to think about, but you kind of maintain the memories that, that matter, right? But that process, like if you don't sleep a lot, you start having like your emotional regulation sucks more, like you, you, like tra you have more trauma. It's, you got to dive into it. It's, it's actually pretty gnarly mm -hmm. stuff, but, but meaning that sleep is mentally, emotionally, physically, like basically restorative, yeah. right? And that, you know, that's also a reason why the amount of sleep that you get and how well you sleep matters so much, right? And, and it is the, it's the big rock because we're going to talk about a bunch of different things today that's recovery-based. You got big rocks, medium rocks, and you got pebbles and sand, you know? And I think that today there's a lot of people that will be like, 
hey, which, you know, should I take ashwagandha, which actually is a good recovery supplement. But it's like, that's a pebble mm. or a small rock, you know, and they'll be like buying all these supplements, mm -hmm. but they sleep a crappy five hours a night. You know, it will not even touch it, right? Mm -hmm. So if you can get, you know, if you can get from five hours of sleep to like seven hours of sleep, it's like taking, you know, illegal steroids. I mean, that, that's how much of a difference you can feel. I mean, I actually have a personal story that we can maybe touch on <laughs> you later. You said you were doing steroids. <laughs> <laughs> I personally take I, I felt, steroids. Listen, it felt like it when, <laughs> when I improved my sleep, but yeah. it, legitimately, right? It's, it's that big of a difference. So again, um, I think that's a big part of recovery is I think it has to be individualized. But I also think that you, just like anything else, what are the things that move, uh, you know, just like in, a in your business, there's things that move things forward a lot. And there's things that don't really make that much of a difference. And I think because of marketing today too, right, it's kind of like, you know, get this thing or mm -hmm. cryo chamber and talk about that too. <laughs> but, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to like just magically make you recover. Uh, but where, where sleep is really, really high up there and that's a massive rock when it comes to recovery. I remembered what I was saying, oh, but yeah. um, only because I think a lot of times when people think of recovery, they think of, I'm only going to recover when I uh, like have an injury. And I think for me as a young athlete, that was kind of my initial mentality of, I want to work, 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 because while people are taking a break or recovering, I'm just going to keep doing more work because then I'm going to get better and better. And it wasn't until I was completely broken and then I found mobility and I start working on recovery that finding that balance actually helped me perform at a more maximal level than I ever had when I was, you know, in college and training harder. And so I think that's a good, we're going to kind of like probably break this out today, but it's a really important thing for people to understand that recovery has to go into your overall schedule because it's not just about, oh, I have an injury, I want to recover from that. It's like you want to recover from things that are going to be happening in your daily life. We're all stressed daily. Like there's yes. a lot that's happening, so you have to figure out that schedule. It's, cr it's critical. So, I, you know, I, I kind of mm -hmm. have the same experience, but I was like over, kind of like an overachiever, overworker. I'll do whatever it takes. But, you know, what I would um, recommend to people is this, right? If, if you are that type of A-type personality, I think that we all train and do things in life to get a result. Now, we also do, a, you know, uh, when you train, it's, it's kind of stress-releasing in a way, right? Even, even though we're creating stress, mentally it's good for you, for most people, right? They do it to, to like, calm down or, or not think about the things uh, that, are, that are kind of stressing them out in a daily life. But what I would recommend is that, you know, you put that effort into the other pockets, right? So if it's like, oh, I'm just training super hard because I want to get the best results, there's a certain point in time where you start hurting yourself, right? It's like, okay, I'm getting the most out of this. And then when I get over that, now I'm starting to actually hurt my results and get injuries, you know, too much inflammation, fatigue, so on and so forth. You know, what if I put a lot of that focus and effort into recovery nutrition, you know, improving my sleep? Uh, and i tell you that right now, like I've trained, I mean, honestly, like, you know, probably a thousand plus, you know, at just athletes, let alone, you know, thousands and thousands of clients, I don't know one person that like I started training and their sleep was great, <laughs> you know, like, so what if they put some of the effort in there? What if they put some effort into recovery strategies, you know, soft tissue modalities and, uh, and sleep and re regeneration workouts. And we'll talk about like actual workouts to actually help you promote recovery. Um, you know, and, and now you put that effort into that and all of a sudden you get this, you know, boost in your performance, your results, uh, feeling better. And I think that's 
kind of the, the, the key of effort. It's like, yeah, work hard, but work smart. Um, amen. How do people know how much to recover, though? I think that's a big question, too. Is like, in, let's just say it's, it's general population. It's not mm-hmm. an elite athlete. How do they know how much they should be doing for recovery and what types? Like, is there a category? Is there an amount of, like, effort each day? Is it several times a week? Like, can you talk through a general population... Recovery. Yeah, it's, here, here's the thing. It, it definitely becomes individual. And I think that, you know, the main thing is to kind of, you know, let's go through those, um, those, fi- those five uh, different kind of categories that we talked about early. And I'll, I'll break them down for general pop a little bit. Uh, first is move. And, you know, for, everybody's heard about the 10,000 steps. Like there's no science behind that, by the way. I think it was the Japanese made this little step counter. And because the the way that they promoted it, the, for marketing purposes, it was a cool thing to do 10,000 steps. There's absolutely no science behind it. No way. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I can actually give you guys uh, probably a link in the, in the show notes so you can listen to that. Because everybody goes, like, you should you know, walk 10,000 steps a day. It's like, and if you ask a person, like, why? Well, that's recommended. Where's it coming from? Yeah. It's based on nothing. Um, so to say, you know, you, it, it's an energy balance thing. And I don't, I don't want to get... I don't want somebody to listen to this and go like, I got to go home and calculate all these things. You don't look, if you're not moving much, you know, and and you look at your phone and you're walking 2000 steps a day, it'd probably be a good idea to move more. That's if like, if you want to feel fitter, if, you know, maybe one of your goals is losing weight, maybe, you know, I I would say it's just like feeling better, right? Because movement, we know that what it does is it aligns things like norepinephrine and dopamine and that's why if you've ever been anxious and you go for a walk in nature like you're not as anxious or you might not be anxious at all right just because chemicals in our body and our brain start changing so you know move and move is also like you know we do it a lot you do it a lot whereas just moving to feel better right i mean if you start doing some mobility flows right again it's not just physically but mentally it shifts you out of, you know, I always say, you know, get out of your head, go into your heart, mm. um, right? You start moving, you, you stop thinking about the stuff that's bugging you, different chemicals release. So I think it's one, movement is like, you should probably do more activity for most people. Now, if you're a person that's like, I'm walking 10,000 steps a day, you know, maybe, you know, and you're like, I'm going to walk 20,000 steps a day. That's not better, you know? And, and it's also not, our bodies become very, very efficient at things, right? And uh, it, it won't have as much, if, if, for instance, somebody's goal is, well, I want to move more because I want to burn more calories, right? Uh, there's a, a Herman Ponser, who's the number one metabolic, well, well he, one of the top metabolic researchers that just came out with a book called Burn, and it's excellent. You know, he goes like, no, like, you'll actually just adapt, right? Your, your energy is going to go elsewhere. And that's actually one of the things I do want to talk about a little bit, and we can go uh, right now. No, I'm uh, saying stay on this topic. Stay on the topic. Okay, I'm cool. Okay. Hand yeah, 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 yeah. Still yeah, going yeah, move. Still like going it. move. We're on move. Uh, but the, essentially, it's like more is not always better. Mm. And it, you know, progressive overload is excellent. So this is my main point on on just about everything, right? Like you, if you, all the studies show, if you add a ton of stress, right, you'll actually get some fast results, but then you're just going to see a decline, right? If you have moderate stress, you don't really have good results because there's not enough to stimulate, you know, a change. But if you have progressive overload, and this goes for strength training too, we'll touch on. If you progressively overload the system, 
the body adapts and, and grows, or should I say grows, right? It makes adaptations to improve performance. So same thing with move. Like if you're not moving, start moving. If you're moving, if you're doing 10, 12, 15,000 steps a day and you don't have some type of job that kind of gets you doing that, you know, more might not be better here. Very likely won't be, to be honest with you, right? And so find that spot of on the move side of things is I'm pretty sure that everybody can move more. Again, this is just my experience of, you know, coaching people. Um, I would say 90 plus percent of people that we see are not, for instance, doing six to 8,000 steps a day, right? So it would probably be good for them to do that. Again, I don't say 10,000 because that's just a number that sounds good. Um, but if, you know, if you're somebody is like, hey, I was doing 10,000 steps a day. Now I'm doing 20,000 steps a day. You probably want to reel it back in. Okay, I'm going to reel you back in. Okay. <clears throat> so I am a little confused. Can we go back to my question? So my question was, if we have somebody that has a... I don't know what we, let's just say they're working out three times a week. How did they know where to start looking when they're listening to this podcast and they're saying, you know what, I actually, I don't spend a lot of time recovering or doing recovery movement or using any recovery tools or doing anything. I don't really know where to begin. I also don't know if my body needs more recovery. Like what are some things that we say, okay, hey, General Pop, are you like, is there a checklist? Like number one thing that I need you to do for recovery is sleep. Okay. So. I mean, to, you have to assess things to know where you're at. Great. Period. How can they assess it? Well, sleep. I mean, now there are enough sleep trackers, uh, you know, even on your phone or if you got a watch. And they're not, you know, excellent. But you know what? They'll give you a, they'll give you a nice little, you, you know, you slept this long. If you have things like an aura ring, uh, you know, even Fitbits or things like that, they'll tell you how long you've had deep sleep for. So they will give you feedback, right? So you can go, go to sleep. And wake up in the morning and go like, oh, I slept for six and a half hours and, you know, 30 minutes of it was deep sleep. Ooh, that's not great. Right. So it will give you data. Look at your data. Do it for at least a couple of weeks so that you know where you're at. OK, so sleep is the number one thing that they should look at. I mean, certainly, certainly a big rock. OK, that's a big rock. The second one um, that's basic that, I, you know, everybody can do is just resting heart rate in the morning. So uh, even though it's like not the greatest of all time, anybody can wake up tomorrow morning and check their resting heart rate. So maybe to have a, a watch or a monitor. If not, all you do is you lay there for, so if an alarm wakes you up, just chill for about 30 to 60 seconds. And then, you know, measure how many beats per minute you're getting in the first 15 seconds, multiply it by four. All right, so if you get 50, you know, 15 beats in 15 seconds, that means you got resting heart rate is gonna be 60. Why does this matter? Well. We know it, it is a predictor, right? So the, the lower your resting heart rate, usually the better your aerobic system is. And the, the more relaxed you are, the higher it is, the more stressed you are, your aerobic system isn't you know, working as well. But if you wake up and you have a resting heart rate of 70, well, that's, that's a, instead a problem, but it's something to look at and go like, we want to reduce this, right? And then how do you reduce that? Well, you, number one, manage stress better to aerobic work so lower kind of like nowadays they call it zone two cardio for most people but it's it's that medium intensity cardio that's not really really hard but kind of gets you sweating so that would be like something to do but it again we're assessing it right we're going like hey how much sleep are we getting is it good sleep you know what's the resting heart rate in the morning um you guys have probably heard hrv you guys heard of hrv 
right? So that's heart rate variability. Um, Sorry, can I go back to sleep? You yes, mentioned yes. deep sleep and how many hours in deep sleep should somebody, would the ideal? I'm, off the top of my head, I'm not quite sure, but I think like if, if you're sleeping eight hours a night, I think deep sleep should be about two and a half. Okay. Um, and again, don't quote me on this, but I, I'm pretty sure. But I mean, a lot of folks will get like very little deep sleep. I'm, I'm talking about. I don't know, just uh, an example of my buddy Andy, who who's definitely fixed it a lot. But, you know, he'd be laying in bed. I just call him. They were laying in bed for about seven hours, you know, and Aura Ring was like, you got three minutes of deep sleep or five minutes of deep sleep, right? For for a number of reasons, whether it's, um, you know, they had, he had a, like, hip replacement surgery, all this stress and pain and so on and so forth. So, uh, again, we're assessing because we just want to know what's going on, right? You can't change... You can't change something if you don't know where you're at. To me, it's like a GPS, right? We, you are here on the GPS, point A. Where do you want to go? Okay, point B. This is the result that you want to achieve. Um, HRV is really important, okay? I mean, really important. It's just a really good marker. Now, I don't want to sit here on a show and just be like, everybody should go get, you know, uh, Morpheus or a Whoop or whatever, right? But um, the science, I've been fortunate enough that my friend Joel Jameson was pretty much one of the pioneers of putting hrv on a on an app right uh, in 2011 he, he called it bioforce but I, I was able to learn all this you know stuff about hrv from him and how useful it is but the hrv score essentially tells you um not to get too geeky about it but like it, it's it shows you how stressed out you are okay so if if you know you're you're tired and stressed that the score is going to be lower uh, if you're in a recovery mode, it's going to be higher, right? But again, it's a marker to be able to tell you, like, how tired you are, right? So if you had a really tough workout or, you know, what it shows even more so, if you didn't get a lot of sleep, you went out drinking last night, HRV score plummets, right? Your readiness is low. But again, it's visual. So, a per- so for a person that gives them a little feedback, like, damn, like, those four or five drinks last night, you know, that, they really did a number, and I think that's good for people, right? I think it's good for people because if you don't get a lot of sleep, you know, you're drinking, you know, you're, you're out and not getting your rest, like this is how it affects you, right? So in, I don't know if we'll have time to really dig into heart rate variability because we can look into that a lot. Um, but that's another thing to look at. And then it's just when it comes to training, it, this is very, very simple. Like, are you seeing yourself progress, right? So... If, you know, over the course of not necessarily workouts, but definitely weeks or a, or a month-long program, hey, are you, are you getting stronger? Like, are you, being able, are you able to lift more weight? Uh, are you able to do more reps? Um, does the, like, the conditioning workout seem easier? Uh, and I would even say, like, this is why I think heart rate monitoring is so important because if, if we do something conditioning-based and when you look, we look at your heart rate, and see how fast it drops at the end of the workout, or we see which zone you're working in, I can tell, okay, Kais is fitter, or hey, Kais is really tired, right? Like this workout she did last week, she smoked it and her heart rate was lower. This week, she's exhausted, her heart rate's higher. What's going on? Like, I'm, I'm going to talk to you, and you might be like, oh, man, crazy stressful week, right? But the thing is, we have to see improvements in our performance in the direction that we're going, and if we're not, that means that something's stuck. Usually it means we're not being able to recover 
from what we're doing, right? Yes, I appreciate that. And I'm going to take it even back a notch because I think you, even the things that you're handing us right now are amazing, but those are amazing for people that are already invested mm -hmm. in a more intense schedule of training that understand heart rate var variability and all these other things. Let's go into the most general conversation. Let's just say it's how do you break these down? Because I think what I didn't hear you say is like nutrition, hydration. I think there's a handful of things. If somebody's just saying, if what they're saying right now is I'm training and I'm following a program and I'm not seeing results and I'm frustrated because I'm going into the gym and I'm just feeling like I've done this for a month and I'm just not, I'm not, nothing is happening. I'm, I'm more exhausted. Can you, without getting like technical about heart rate variability or mm -hmm. other things, what are some things that they should be doing? Well, when we go like, you know, again, when we go back to those five, when you talk about, for instance, you know, the training part of it, it's definitely aligning like what they can recover from. Again, if you're doing too many, I'm, I'm going to just give an example of what a lot of people do. Okay. in, in why they kind of get into um, a roadblock. Take, for example, you know, high intensity interval training a lot. And there's a lot of, you know, gyms and classes and things like that. And somebody's like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get in shape. And then they start doing, for instance, five days a week of really high intensity training. Right. Like pushing themselves because it's like I'm going to exhaust myself because that's going to get me results. And in the short term, like very short term, four to six weeks, you will see some adaptations. Right. And then you get stuck. Because beyond that, then the body just can't recover from all this hard work that they're doing. Right. So I think that it's very, very important for people to understand that, you know, two to three, what I call um, development workouts. Those are the ones where you push the most is probably the maximum for most people. Right. Per week. Per week. Yes. And then there's because I either I call them develop, stimulate or rebound. So develop is where you challenge yourself the most. Right. Think above, you know, you're, you're training above 90% intensity. And that's, you know, whether you're lifting weights, whether you're doing conditioning, right, you're really challenging yourself. And, you know, you call it rate of perceived exertion, you know, is in, in that 9, 10, you know, range. For most people, honestly, too, I think that when people are starting off, less is more. So don't do three, do maybe two, maybe even do one. And then you have stimulate days. Stimulate days are those medium medium hard training days right where they're more like a seven or eight on a rate of perceived exertion meaning you know if you're lifting weights you leave two reps in a tank three reps in a tank you know if you're if you're doing conditioning um you know you're in the for instance in the green zone or it's like you should be eight like you should be tired but you're not you didn't exhaust yourself okay and, and then one of those one of those per week no 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 i would do anywhere from so if you do uh for example, if you just did one development day, I'd probably do three stimulate days, right? Two or three stimulate days. If I did two development days, I'd probably do two stimulate days, right? And then you'd have rebound days. Rebounds are, rebound days are, are actually recovery workouts, and we'll break down what that is, right? But it's a, it's a workout that will actually help you speed up your recovery, okay? And so, you'd, yeah, you'd probably do about two of those. So, if, if, you know, if you're training five to six days a week, you can kind of see how this breaks down. And most people don't kind of organize their training week like that because it's like, well, I'm going to go in and I'm going to crush myself, right? Like, and now all of a sudden, you know, if you have, you know, you got this goal that, that fires you up and you're motivated and maybe you're with a group of people or you go to a gym and, and all of a sudden now every day becomes a development day, right? And that's no bueno. 
okay, this is awesome because I'm just going to help. I'm going to organize this because so I can visually see it, and I think this is really going to help people. So right now, for most of us, we're in the, the train bucket right now. And yes, just correct. to reiterate, yep. number one thing that you should look at, let's just look at the breakdown of your weekly schedule. I am someone who wants to go into the gym, and let's say I go in five days a week, and Luca has experienced this with me. I'm like, I want to go ham. I want to go crazy. It doesn't work. And if it works, what he's saying is it works for four to six weeks, and then you're basically going to plateau. So let's just not get there. Let's just listen to what, what he's saying. So we want two. Let's just start with two hard development workouts. Then we want to look and adjust and have two stimulate workout Mm -hmm. so that should be down to that seven out of a 10 effort and then we want two rebound workouts which are recovery workouts awesome okay we're not going to get into any details of that yet okay all right team we've looked at our training now we're going to go back one more thing on training one more thing on training so again if if we put that in the train bucket the bucket i just talked about was managing your loads and organizing your loads right it's important like you have to have a structure to make sure you progress but number two is improving your aerobic engine, your aerobic training. So this is really important, right? This, think about this. Can I interrupt you? Absolutely. <laughs> Wait, we're not going to go into the details of breaking down our workouts yet. I'm just getting a few of these other buckets. Okay. To simplify sleep, we all know that that bucket is seven to eight hours. You need that. Mm-hmm. Can we just go into two other buckets? Because I think these are the main things that General Pop needs to look at, which is hydration and, and fueling. So that would be under, yeah, under under eating. So under that five, like obviously hydration comes under that. Yes. So <laughs> hydration is interesting because, um, and actually, you know, this is from our, our buddy, uh, Dr. Mike. Hey. Yeah. So, um, you know, you, you absolutely have to hydrate because uh, if you, for instance, if you drop three, the, the, the marker that we want to avoid at all costs is losing 3% of our weight from hydration. Then, then you get into trouble, right? Performance drops dramatically, fatigue, so on and so forth. And that can actually happen, you know, faster than you think, especially, you know, think about humid, hot summer days, things like that. So we got to hydrate, but, you know, there's been all this stuff now about, like, you got to drink, you know, I don't know how much water. I'm going to give you the super simple breakdown. Thank okay? you. So and with every meal, you should probably have a glass of water, right? It's simple. Because hydration is also, if you eat a lot of fruits and veggies, you actually get hydration from that, right? So you, you have to, people that eat more fruits and vegetables actually have to drink less, right? Water or fluids. So a glass of water with every meal. Then between the, the time that you have your meals, if you drink like 16 ounces of water and just sip on it, you're fine, right? Throughout a training session, you can just sip on water and be okay, unless your training sessions start becoming long, meaning, you know, like over an hour, but more, more so like 90 minutes. You know, that's when, that's when like hydration drinks come into play. Things like, you know, an LMNT maybe a little bit or, or a liquid IV where you got a little more extra sodium and potassium. But you, if your workouts are like 30 minutes long, 45 minutes long, like you don't need this crazy extra hydration, right? So I, I want to, you know, I just want to say that because there's, Swinging the pendulum, too little and too much. Now, the statistics are pretty crazy, right? I think it's like 77% of men and 71% of women are, um, it's called hypohydrated. It's not, it's, it's not dehydrated, but it's on the path to being dehydrated. And remember, dehydrated is where you get about, you know, loss of 3% of body weight. What that means is that like, if you hydrated more, you'll feel better, you'll recover faster, 
Uh, and again, you'll also, because when you are dehydrated or hypohydrated, your core temperature also goes up, which means that you get more tired when you train. And everybody's experienced this, right? You do the same workout, but it's hotter, and you, you drank the same amount of fluids, which you lost faster, right, because it was hotter. And you're like, oh, my God, this workout's so much harder, right? It's, it's because your core temperature goes up, everything feels more challenging, which is exactly the reason why you should be hydrating more. So those are my rules is drink a glass of water with every meal, you know, drip, sip on about 16, you know, 24 ounces of water in between that. And then during the training session, sip on water or any, any type of me personally, I like everything to be flavored. So it's like fluids, you know, that, that, uh, preferably have, you know, no calories and stuff like that. But, um, and that's it. Now, if you're an athlete that does two a days, uh, and you're training more than 90 minutes per day, you know, and, or doing it twice, then you got to kind of, uh, I would say bump that up a little bit, but beyond that you don't. Right. And I just want to underline that. Cause I remember having a whole episode with Dr. Mike about him saying, we're so used to thinking that if we go to do a workout, most of the time, even if it's 30 to 60 minutes, we need to have a Gatorade. We need to have some yeah, type not of, true. and he was like, that's just exactly yep. like, that's just so not necessary. Also, it's just a lot of added sugar that a lot of people don't need in a lot of those. And no, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think too, you know, you got to always look at the, the marketing side of things and go, um, because I, like I am, a, I think that actually most people, uh, if you have quality nutrition, you know, you don't need all this sodium and potassium and magnesium, right? If you have solid nutrition, if you don't, it can be helpful. But again, to, you know, I've, I've had folks that all of a sudden go, oh my God, I'm, you know, I'm drinking this every day. And I'm like, uh, you don't need to drink that every day. And I think it's hard because media makes you think like a lot of times you see what these elite athletes are doing and we just can't compare ourselves to like a Serena LeBron, like what they're doing in terms of their training. They're asking so much more from their bodies. So they're taking care of it and putting things in it that are just totally different. I think media does that so that we can or marketing does that so that we like buy into a lot of that. But we just don't in our daily routine and schedule and how we take care of ourselves. We just don't need that. Well, yes, because you, you got to think about it. Like if, if an athlete is doing, you know, and I, I train a lot of high-level athletes to where they're, they're going to do a two-a-day. That means that they have to recover and recoup and have the energy also to be ready for that second, you know, for that second session, which may mean more calories, more hydration, right, than uh, because they, ha they have to be prepared to perform at that moment in time. So that's very, very different, right? Where a, a general population might be, I do my training session. Great, let's start recovering as soon as you possibly can. Whereas another, you know, a pro athlete might be like, I have to actually be ready for another bout of on the field stuff. I just did my weights, whatever else it may be. So it has to, I mean, all these things, I just gave a general foundation that will work for everybody. Um, you know, and then it's like you individualize the more, you know, the realm of athleticism that you go into, but that works awesome. when it comes to um, when it comes to uh, hydration. Awesome. Okay, right. we're moving buckets. So hold we're, on before oh. we go. The gallon of water. Oh. I see that. <laughs> I see that everywhere. Brian, listen. That's pretty much. That's pretty much. Do uh, we need to drink a gallon of water? That's like ten thousand steps. Okay. okay. It's just out of nowhere. So half um, gallon is yeah. probably okay. <laughs> it's fine. If you want to, if you want to get, uh, there's a formula for hydration. Uh, uh, a buddy of mine's name's Dr. Andy Galpin, <laughs> genius guy. Uh, but you can literally go on YouTube and just go uh, hydration formula, Dr. Andy Galpin. And he'll, he's got like an article and a short video to break it down exactly. Like, you know, if you weigh this much during the training session, this is how much you should drink. You know, this is how many ounces of fluids you should drink every 15 minutes. If you want to get more granular about it, 
just look it up, and I'm not going to dig. dig can you overhydrate? Oh, yeah. yes, absolutely. So, like, absolutely. with this gallon of water, I'm just, yeah, you can. I'm no, just no. purely thinking my friend Brian here. He Brian. walks around with a giant <laughs> gallon, and I just want. I'm you, looking out for him in case he's overhydrated. You can't. You can't overhydrate. Actually, yeah. yeah, you can't. And and so again, you know, maybe he eats a lot of fruits and veggies, and then drinks more throughout the day, and then he gets a gallon on top of that. Like, like that may be too much. Also, you know, peeing 72 times a day is not my thing. Yeah. Um, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're moving on. Doing awesome. So we're gonna go. Hold into- up, do you want to? We should stay in an eat bucket because we got to talk about protein. Okay. Well, I I do want to go into fueling. So okay, we're doing. Good. So I'm I'm creating a chart for all of us visual people. Ah, I'm creating mm. a chart that they can sit and say, okay, I'm I'm gonna look at a bunch of these buckets of things. So we we've touched on training. We'll go into details of all these. We've touched on training, we've touched on sleep, we've touched on hydration. Now I want to touch on fueling. Not that we need to deep dive into it in an hour long conversation, but I want to talk about fueling for recovery in terms of like we can talk about protein, if there are certain things that people should be including into their daily, you know, diet. Um and but but Brief. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll try to keep Not it science. as brief as possible. Not science Well, let, let's start with, you know, most of the foods you should eat or should be whole, whole unprocessed foods. I like the 80-20 rule. And, and just from the standpoint that if we whole unprocessed foods, we're getting a lot of the nutrients that we need, right? So, again, if it's, you know, lean meats and, and veggies and different forms of starches, uh, that's a very important factor from the get-go. And then we got to look at energy balance, right? So, look, we give our body food because that is fuel. And I'm, I'm talking strictly recovery right now. I'm not talking, you know, you, you want to lose body fat and get leaner, all that. Good. Like, I'm talking about strictly, you know, give your body the fuel it needs to recover, right? Which means that you got to, uh, again, for most people, they're not going to go calculating their calories and trying to do all that stuff. But it does mean that you have to fuel enough, right? So, again, if you're not eating enough, what's going to happen? You're going to be more fatigued, right? You're, you're not going to be able to perform as much. Uh, so you got to take in enough calories. And I think it is important to, um, you know, have some idea of what that is, right? And, look, if, if we look calorically, for most people, you know, 14 calories per pound of body weight is maintenance-ish, right? 13 to 14. Again, I'm just giving you an idea because if somebody that's 150 pounds, you're going to be like, okay, cool. Well, that's going to be 2000 ish calories, right? Now we don't, we don't, I know, I already know, I already know, (laughs) I already know, but I'm, I'm saying that like, you do have to have an idea of, you know, the amount of food that is because, you know, there, there's a lot of folks that might be under eating, overeating, whatever it may be, right? Neither, neither is great for recovery, right? Too much food is not good for recovery. Too low food is not good for recovery. But one thing that I do know that almost everybody kind of misses the boat on is the protein, mm. right? Protein is the building block, right? It's, it's made, proteins are made up of amino acids. It's what helps us build muscle, maintain muscle. And it also signals to our body, right? Protein synthesis, right? So it's really, really important. And I think that just about any goal that anybody has does not include losing muscle, right? So here's a super simple um, kind of outline here. Uh, you know, 120 grams of protein per day up to one gram per pound of body weight, right? So I, I really think like 120 is the minimum people should shoot for. But, you know, the more active you are, the more you strength train, the more you do, that should kind of be more, uh, you know, towards the higher thing. So I'm like, I'm 200 pounds, you know, I'm shooting for, obviously I strength train, I'm, you know, want to maintain my muscle, build muscle. 
you know, a gram per pound of body weight. So that's, that would be 200 grams of protein per day. Um, and the other thing that's pretty important is splitting it up, right? So into three to four meals because our body does a good job uh, absorbing only, a cer- synthesizing only a certain amount of protein. Meaning, you know, if I take in um, 30 grams to 40 grams for lunch, right? If I have 100, it's not going to increase protein synthesis. So it's, it's, what I'm saying is it's better to have three to four meals with that protein in there than having like one or two meals with all the protein in there, right? Is it a myth that your body can only digest or handle 20 grams of protein per About meal? 30. But no, not. But it's, this is the misconception. Basically, if you're wanting to build muscle, like there's only so much, uh, so many grams of protein that the, the body can synthesize. But that doesn't mean you should not eat more protein, right? Protein in general is, well, number one, it's filling. Number two, it's a thermogenic food, right? So thermogenic food means that you have to, you actually have to uh, do a lot of work to break protein down. Actually, I think it's like 30% of calories get burned digesting protein. For carbs, it's like 12% and fat, it's three, right? So for anybody that's kind of like, well, you know, I want to get leaner. Well, protein is a thermogenic food. So it's going to keep you fuller and it's going to, you're going to burn more calories like eating it. So, you know, you got that right there, which makes the most sense, but it doesn't mean don't eat more protein. It just means this is how much you're going to be able to absorb. So it's smarter for you to do, you know, three, if you, if you want to maintain or build muscle, it's better to have, you know, three meals, maybe a four, you know, three and a shake or something like that than just do two and try to, you know, stack up 100 grams of protein in, in, in those meals. It's just, you know, it's the science of it that just gives us feedback to go like, hey, this is smarter to do if your goal is performance, recovery, and building muscle. Right? Awesome. I love that. So on the fueling, we're going to leave it with protein unless there's another, don't, we're not going to talk about supplements yet, but if there's any other kind of like tips that people should be looking at in their fueling. Well, I mean, here's the thing, like, let's just make sure that people understand that there's carbs are like really important and that they're not bad because you still still get this whole, you know, uh, conversation. If I'm eating too much carbs, like carbs are fuel, you know, it's the number one form of fuel for our brain and you know, our brain needs a lot of energy. (laughs) So it's our brain weighs two pounds and uses 25% of all the glycogen in the body. Which is why when you go low carb and I've you know trained a lot of competitors, what happens? They get like brain fog, right? Like you can't think straight. You go low carb, you get irritable. So you know, and there's always somebody who goes like, "But it's not essential." I'm like, "Well, you can live without it, but it's not optimal." And who doesn't love carbs? Come on now. You know? What about the protein shake? I think that's just like the Gen Pop classic. You go to the gym. I need to get my protein shake. Is that? Yeah, as it's long just, as it's yeah. not loaded with sugar and whatever, is that is that a good Absolutely, thing Gen because Pop should be doing? It, yeah, it's just a different, like, for instance, the first thing, and I'm going to give you guys an example of what happens, you know, when we coach clients. When we look at how much protein they're taking, it's very, usually very low, right? It's actually one of those things that can really help somebody recover faster, build muscle, it's good for body composition, yada, yada, right? And so then, let's say, let's say you're taking in 50 grams of protein, right? But you kind of should be at 180 Okay, that's a big gap. Now, eat an extra 130 grams of protein in real food, chicken, lean, right? Eggs. It's very filling. Like people will come back to us and go like, man, I can't get in all this food. Like I'm like I'm trying to eat all this food and I can't. So, you know, protein shake just becomes like something that's really easy. I mean, it's liquid, so it's Mm -hmm. a lot easier to get that in, Um, you know, absorbs a little bit faster, 
and again, it just makes it convenient. I think that's the, the, the kind of number one thing is the convenience of it, right? If I can have a 40 gram protein shake once a day, you know, that's, that's kind of like a big meal that would fill me up, but this doesn't. So I think that's where it really comes into play. There's, um, in, you know, forms of protein, we could say a lot, but you know, the, the best probably is whey isolate. And if some people are, um, you know, you can get plant-based proteins, they're not as good, but you know, uh, it, it, it's obviously it can still do the trick. Um, and that, I think those are the kind of most important factors that if, if, because I, I want people to get snippets and go like, whoa, I'm under eating on protein. Great. Yeah. Get it up to 120 grams or a gram per pound of body weight. If you know, work on that goal and like you'll be way better off. Right. I, I think I'm I, I'm going to have to do a protein mm-hmm. challenge this month and see the difference. Because I, I guarantee, do it, I do I guarantee this you. Month. We're already doing a challenge. Oh, yeah, this we're month. Let's do it next month. Yeah, we're doing, uh, <laughs> we're doing sugar free. Okay. I'm going to do. I guarantee you're under. I, I think I'm you. under. We're, we're mm. calculating this and I'm thinking I am way under on my protein. But this is why this conversation is so awesome. Um, we keep saying gen pop and I just want everyone who, who's listening. It's general population is mm. what we're referring to. Just because it's it, that's who we all really are right now. And I, 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 I want to have a conversation that we all, all, all of us general pop people can can take this back and go and kind of like insert ourselves in and figure out where we're at. So this is so helpful, Luca. Um, let's go into supplementation because I think one of the other buckets is supplementation. And I want to, I'm on the spectrum of not a lot of supplementation. Now I've been adding some more thorn things and I think it really helps, but I would love for you to just kind of, I know you can talk about each of these forever, but just kind of overarching if there's a handful of things that you're like, we're all deficient at this, this, this supplement really helps you to recover in some way, shape or form. And these are what I would suggest. Okay. I, I will preface first. There, there's a reason they're called supplements, right? They're, they, they supplement irregular nutrition. Um, I think they're valuable. But again, if you really improve your nutrition and get mostly whole unprocessed foods, like you won't need a lot of supplementation. Um, so just things that I think uh, can be very helpful. You know, one is green drinks, right? And, and here's why. Because again, kind of like protein, if I can do a scoop of a quality greens drink, like, um, you know, my friend started Athletic Greens. Which is one of oh, source of I knew it was coming. I was just oh. on the tip. Oh, oh. Wait, do, we have, do we have to beef around it? We're just still haven't been sent any samples. So. They just like, they sponsor Chris, everyone. Chris. Yeah. But no, don't even worry yeah, because yeah, you yeah, know yeah. who came and saved the day? Thorn. Yeah. And their Athletic Greens yeah, is yeah, yeah. fire. It's good. Okay. It's so good. So. It's, again, any any type of quality, okay. I would say, because uh, what, what is it, right? It's, it's basically, basically hydrogenated, uh, broken down, like it maintains all the nutrients. It's like seven servings of veggies, right? I mean, so you get and probably have prebiotics, probiotics. And all it is, is it's not like it's not meant to replace stuff. It's meant to supplement it because it, I feel good, you know, getting up in the morning, doing a greens drink. And it's like, all right, look, I got all these nutrients in. It doesn't have any calories. Because, again, if your body's nutrient deficient, you're going to start having issues. So th- that's just one of those. Again, it's um, what would be I mean, it's, it's just an easy to do thing. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's a high return on investment. Um, of something that can take you, you know, 20 seconds to do. From there, um, you know, protein, we mentioned it, right? Protein as a supplement in and of itself, I think is one of the most valuable things because it can kind of get you to those numbers that we talked about. Then from there, 
like I actually start kind of like weaning off off of you know what's really really necessary. I think creatine is very helpful. By the way, you know what are the two most studied supplements in history? Uh, it's creatine and caffeine, right? Most proven, most studied, most right. And creatine is super super safe. It's also uh, you know at the beginning. Creatine would always be promoted because it helps you increase strength and strength endurance, right? It basically pulls hydration into the cell, right, and into the muscular cell. So that's why it helps you with uh, performance. And it's been proven it helps with performance. But there's also, you know, now these last years have been showing that it's also good for brain health, right? So creatine, creatine taking three to five grams a day, super simple, post-workout shake, um, and you're good to go. So I, I do like that when it comes to recovery and performance. From there, I kind of switch into, so there's, um, and again, these are like pebbles. When I start mentioning these, mm. these are kind of like pebbles, okay? Uh, rhodiola, ashwagandha, um, leucine, like uh, th- those are things that can help, like ashwagandha rhodiola, for instance. I, I know Thorne actually has a rhodiola that's good. It, you know, they help you prevent um, adaptive stress, right? So they, they help with recovery, but again, they would, you know, it's not even a, a drop in the bucket if you go, you're, you're, you have crappy sleep, and then it's like, yeah, but I'm taking ashwagandha rhodiola, right? Um, the, the other side is, you know, we talked about sleep. I think that that's where you can do some good stuff with um, supplementation for sleep. So, and we can go back to sleep, but this is supplementation for sleep. And one of them is melatonin. Now, let me preface the melatonin thing, Okay. Because most supplements on the market have too much melatonin in it. And what will happen is I actually think that 0.5 to 1 milligrams is a good serving there. And you'll see most of the stuff on the market is like 5, mm-hmm. 10, 15. And what will happen is you'll be knocked out and you'll wake up really groggy. And the problem is if you use it too much, your natural melatonin production will go down. So, oh. I, I, w- so I would highly recommend if you do melatonin, be on the lower side because a lot of studies also show that, um, you know, one milligram is just as effective as, for instance, five. But there's some downsides to the five because you'll be really groggy. And again, it can throw, throw stuff off. So sometimes if you buy a melatonin store, you might have to, mm-hmm. you know, crack it in half or a quarter and take that. So that, that's one, but I do find it helpful. If you have a tough time sleeping, I think it's good. Uh, uh, thing, which is another one that can calm you down. How do you say it? I think it's L E U T H I E N. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Um, again, it calms you down, which allows you to sleep. Same thing with magnesium, right? Magnesium. It doesn't like necessarily help you sleep, but it can, uh, help you calm down. Also is, uh, an important thing when it comes to your body's regulation like most people actually are are deficient in magnesium and so when we talk in deficiencies magnesium and zinc most people are quite deficient in so taking those supplements again they're they're cheap they're you know uh it's like an easy you know kind of pop a pill and it helps out and with all this too you can just go get your blood taken to get samples to know if you're deficient in any yeah, things, I, which I, is a good thing to start with too before you just start popping everything right amen correct yes. i actually i mean i i think that most people at least on a yearly basis should do blood work mm-hmm. and do all of their blood work um i mean think about it like you know you, you go to the doctor and you have because most of the doctor's visits don't really touch on all this stuff but if you can get your hormones done you know your deficiencies done in different vitamins and minerals it will give you a picture Right. It'll give you a picture of 
like what you're deficient in um and and then you would just get those supplements right uh so so i think that's very very valuable because again what is what is a, what is blood work it's an assessment mm-hmm. right it's an assessment of where you are and where you want to be in health and performance think about this that that picture of your blood work is telling you you know whether you're healthy or again if your you know testosterone levels are lower your cortisol's through the roof like you're probably too stressed out right so uh i think and now we have i mean with all these different companies there's very affordable ways to get your blood you know your blood work done and be able to look at it and go like wow okay i need to improve xyz so there's definitely i believe you know i i I did it when when i was not sleeping i would do it um every six months to check how much everything was improving, especially my hormones at that point in time. Which is really motivating to a lot of people. Okay, you are doing so awesome. We have one more bucket. And then... I was... What? Well, I was going to say, we're kind of like at that time. Do oh, we want to keep... Can we do one more bucket? But okay. the, And then part two this. We'll do a part two. Yeah. I did have a couple supplement questions. You don't have any supplement questions? No, because I... No, you go if you have some supplements. Okay, quick rapid fire then. Okay. It's from personal. Yeah. So like fish oil, krill oil, how is that pebble um, medium or not even? Yeah, is that dust? Yeah, yeah. It, it makes, again, uh, look, dust. so if, if you ate enough fish throughout the week in, in your diet and your nutrition, not that big of a, uh, a problem. Let's say you never eat fish. If you never eat fish, you probably should supplement with something like a krill oil, a quality uh, fish oil. Okay. Because our, the, the American diet is very, very deficient in omega-3s, mm-hmm. but high in omega-6 and 9s, right? So, so think more we want more anti-inflammatory so that, that's the other thing when it comes to food you know but that's why i started with saying eat more whole unprocessed mm-hmm. foods right because again we want things that are more anti-inflammatory yeah and, yeah. and again like inflammation is not bad this is this is the other thing that people hold on before we go there let's yeah. stick to the quick fire All right, let's go Thank quick fire you. quick fire because <laughs> there's another hot one on the market that i am taking but i'm curious collagen so collagen is, is not a great protein source, but as proven, it's, it's, it's good, for instance, for skin, uh, for nails, I think even for eyesight and stuff, but not what it was promoted to do. Because they're a, kind of promoting the joint health a lot, mm, not as much. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's, I mean, it's not a complete protein. The, the, what the studies have shown, it is helpful with things like skin and nails and things like okay. that. So the easiest thing to do with collagen, honestly, if you do a pro, like I'll make a protein smoothie, put my regular whey protein in and everything else you know my spinach blueberries blend it all up and i'll put collagen in there too Mm -hmm. no downside but but if it's small i mean it's kind of pricey to call it like the all the brands with the collagen for sure i mean people are buying it as a as a main protein source i wouldn't do that gotcha okay Uh, i would like i said stick with whey isolate Okay. Way, way better. But if you want some good book. quality Jefferson curls. Yeah. I mean, look, this is, or, I'll tell you what. There's, <laughs> I, knew there's, you gonna, I knew you were going to give me right, no, don't, don't leave her hanging. Don't leave her hanging. Don't leave her hanging. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a hit, so I was, I was starting gonna, to flinch a little bit. Mike's over here. Yeah. I mean, I put it this way. There's not enough collagen to, to get my hair back. So okay, last, last, like, last one, um, glucosamine. Because I've heard a lot that there was like. Well, is glutamine or glucosamine? Glucosamine for like joint health. Again, it, it, it's a pebble, right? It's, it's one of those things where, like, there's so many different things that you can do for joint health that, you know, and I, honestly, like, doing more, I would say, omega-3s and, and mm-hmm. adding more fish in your diet and things that, like, foods that have omega-3s is better than buying a bunch of glucosamine. Okay. I mean, and it's, again, look, you know, there's, there's uh, 
supplements on the market that have a combination of things that you know reduce inflammation and i think they're valuable but but again they're small you, I, yeah you just have to yeah. look at this T- to me the problem ends up being that like you know uh marketing and media can shine a light on like are your joints hurting and you know get this pill mm-hmm. but you're not doing any mobility you know you're not moving around enough you're not getting enough sleep you know your your, your diet is very inflammatory so sugars processed foods too many calories and it's like you got all these big rocks that you can address they'll make a massive difference and then you got this little thing you know and it's like i'm taking the pills uh, and it's just it's not going to move the needle much. Okay. So I think that's the big picture that I kind of want to you know go over here. You have way more control over things. Like tomorrow, you could feel a lot better doing some of the stuff that we're mm-hmm. talking about. Where you Eat know, well, sleep well, hydrate. hydrate. Those are way bigger than exactly popping move, a yeah, bunch like of pills. Move, move, exercise, and again, you know, uh, in part two, we can dig into more of like uh, maybe the details of that, right? Mm-hmm. But 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 again. If you don't feel well and you and you just go for a walk, and you do some, you know, uh, mobility one or Ooh, starter, you know, shout out, then you know you'll you'll feel better. Like you'll feel better. Period. You know? Yeah, I love this. This is so helpful, Luca. I love your, your like big stones or big rocks, pebbles, sand. I think that's really important for people to grab onto. Last bucket here before mm-hmm. we wrap part one is the uh, management of stress mm-hmm. and the mental aspect. And we, we don't have to go really deep into this, but say someone like me, you did this to me the other day. My life is very stressful. And Luca has never done this to me, but he raised his voice. <laughs> he, and that was a moment of like, oh, shit. Did and, that stress you out, though? <laughs> yeah, it did stress me out. But no, he, he was basically, because I am obviously very hard-headed, and his whole point was like, no, and what he wanted me to do was breath work. And so can we just touch on a few things? If you have clients, all of us have stress. So if you have clients like me that are coming in and we're, we're doing a handful of the other big stones, mm-hmm. what are one or two things that you are suggesting for stress management? Okay. Um, I, okay, uh, can I, I know that you're gonna be like, yeah. listen, I, I really, really wanna share this because I feel that if I do, people will kind of get the idea of why stress management is so important. You want to tell a story? I I want to tell some principles because the principles will really, really help people. I promise you. Okay. So the way that like our, our, our brain regulates everything. Right. And it's like, it it basically dictates where the energy should go. The first place it goes is resting metabolic rate. So it's like, what keeps our uh, heart going? What keeps our lungs going? Digestive system. That's where calories and energy go first. Right. To keep us alive, okay? So that's number one, no matter what. Number two, our energy goes towards movement, so activity, like moving around, living our life, and stress, okay? This is why this point is very important. Stress is a lot of energy. You know why? Because when you stress out, your body is like fight or flight, and your bo- and then your brain is allocating energy. Remember homeostasis we talked about? It? It's allocating energy to get it back to normal, Okay? Third, only third does your brain go, here's energy towards repairing tissues, building muscle, my, all the stuff that we want, right, when we, when we exercise, okay? What does that mean? Well, the reason why I said this before you, you talked about stress is that people don't think about how much energy stress takes out of us, okay? So what that means is if you're a person 
that has a very stressful life and doesn't do well with stress management, it's affecting your recovery so much more than you can ever imagine, right? Because again, your brain doesn't care about your six pack and you running faster and building more muscle. It cares about survival. And so if there's all this stress, it's going to put all the energy into trying to mitigate that stress and get it back to homeostasis. And it will not care about you, you know, losing body fat and building muscle and building bone density, right? So that's where we start. And so this is why stress management is so important. Now, how do we manage stress, right? We talked about managing stress through training, okay? And then this is the thing I wanted to bring up earlier, but I think it's excellent time to do it. Doing cardio, okay? And I'm talking about aerobic. There's different types of cardio. Higher intensity is anaerobic, right? That means without oxygen. So there's two types there, which we won't touch on right now. And aerobic is with oxygen. But the thing is, the aerobic system is the basically engine of life, right? Right now, our aerobic system is working. For recovery, our aerobic system is working. It's actually the main thing, main system, cardio system that's working. So if we enhance that system, we recover faster, right? So people that are very stressed out should do more cardio, but they should do more aerobic cardio, right? So remember how there's a time like do more cardio so you can burn more fat, right? Do more cardio so you can be healthier. Every marker on when you look at the things that show longevity, meaning people that live the longest have the best cardio and the best HRV scores, right? To a degree that the top 10% of people that have VO2 max live 11% longer. So that's seven years, seven years. Like, would you like to live seven, eight years longer? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, please. Okay, great. Start implementing more cardio. Now, Kaiser knows what that is because we started doing, you know, uh, aerobic, yeah. <laughs> aerobic capacity work. It's actually not, it's not the crush you cardio. It's the exact opposite. It's like, you know, uh, studies show that like 72 to 86, 88% of your max heart rate. So, you know, that's probably like 140, 135, 140, 160 beats a minute max, right? But my heart rate is at 90 because it's just so frustrating to do that work. Like this is when Lucas See, said, that's the thing, though, do but they, sled pulls yes. for 30 minutes. For 30 minutes and like mm. do it in a way. But this, so this is the type of work that like, I'll give you the breakdown of it. Like you should be like, so if you're doing it for 45 minutes, okay, 30, 45 minutes, you'd be sweating, but you should always be able to talk to me. So if I'm like, hey, Kaisa, uh, tell me like which movies you like. And you'd be like, well, Luca, you know, I like uh, the, like that would be your cardio, right? You should never be like, I can't, I can't talk to you. Right? That's too much. And so that, that aerobic cardio, and you actually want to build this, that, that engine and that base as much as possible. Like, ideally, you know, look, if you're not doing it, then start once a week. But I'm saying, like, that should be stuff that you're doing. The more, the more stressed out you are, the more of your cardio training should be in that, those zones rather than in high-intensity those zones. So let me say, tell that. If you're a very stressed out person, and you got a lot going on in life. It's a season of life. You know, kids, work, not sleeping a lot. And then you go and do like the hardest cardio possible and like crazy circuits. That's crushing you. That, that is, I guarantee you that that's not taking you to the goals that you want, right? And you're going to hit the wall and you're going to, and how does that show up? Uh, fatigue, it shows up in 
getting like really hungry, for instance, like uh, you want more and more calories, right? Because your body's like in survival mode and, and wants to get the, the nutrients in. It's going to be joint, uh, joint pain, right? It's going to be fatigue, irritability, uh, injuries, you know, injuries. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Because of course, cause too much inflammation, what happens, right? Tissues get damaged tissue. Um, and again, you know, this is like, for instance, yeah, you're, you're, you're struggling me. with this too. Yeah, yeah exactly. Totally. Yeah. Um, so real quick, is that, is the aerobic conditioning days, is that part of their stimulate workouts or their rebound? No, workouts? that would be, I would couple that. You could kind of separate them, but I like that as a rebound workout. Cool. So, and rebound workouts are actually, uh, you know, they actually have a structure for a rebound workout. If you ever, you can literally go on YouTube and put Luca Hosevar rebound workout. I, I do, a, I have a whole vlog of breaking it down exactly how to do it. But it's you start with breathing drills, and we'll talk about breathing because that's really important. So we'll start with breathing and mobility drills. Then we'll do uh, aerobic aerobic work, right? This this what we were talking about. From there we lift, but like really, so very low reps. Uh, something that just stimulates, right? Then gets blood into the muscles. Because on recovery days, we want to get as much blood into the body and getting those nutrients like everywhere, right? And so we actually will lift, but it's like two to three sets of two to three reps, you know, lift the deadlift and then just drop it, right? No eccentric load. And then we're, at the end, we'll finish off with like light stretching, uh, light foam rolling, everything's lighter. So that session should take about 45 minutes long. And we legitimately call it a rebound workout and it stimulates recovery. Uh, and there's some, actually Joel, my, my friend, Joel Jameson, who, uh, you know, legitimately number one guy on the planet for conditioning, um, you know, built the certification, wrote the book on it. And he's from Seattle. Um, you know, he's done so much research on this where they were doing rebound workouts and then watching HRV. It's like if, if somebody did no training session and just rested on the couch versus did that, the recovery was way faster with the rebound workout. So it stimulates recovery, right? And that's what we want. Like we want after, like, let's say we did a really hard training session one day, the next day we'd want to have a rebound workout to stimulate recovery. So an ideal, this is a, a, a good cue. So if ideally for most people, I do a stimulate day, then a develop day. So like a mediumly hard day, then a really hard day, then a rebound day, cool. right? Recover. And then again, stimulate, uh, develop, rebound. Love it. Luca. That makes sense? Makes sense? It makes okay. so sense. I, I am loving this. We have to pause this though. Yeah, we'll do a part two. And then we, I think we can get deeper into more of the, like the workout granularity. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Like, go over some more examples. Love it. Yeah. And this has been really helpful just to give us the bucket. And now we can mm -hmm. kind of go in and into each one and get details. And I love the big rocks, medium rocks, and, sand. and, pebbles. and pebbles. I threw sand. Oh, you threw sand. I was <laughs> sand is hey, dust. Sand's everywhere. You threw sand it's in my nothing. face. My okay. Yeah. Team, thank you so much. So part one, we're just going to pause. We'll, we're going to do a part two that goes into more details of what we were discussing here today. Luca, I want to give you the biggest high five. Like, I feel like this conversation. Yes. That's what I was waiting Luca for. Luca is like such a genius that his conversation sometimes is hard for me to grab onto. <laughs> and I have so many takeaways from this. And I know everyone listening does too. You know what? So I want to thank you for... for making me better at filming, calling me out, saying my filming is not at the highest level, which burnt me a little bit and hurt. And then I went home and I was like, I got to become a better yeah. filmer. He took it. And then know. I took it. Yeah. You know, I'm an empty, I'm an empty vessel. I want to get better. <laughs> then, then she tells me that, like, it's great. Like, you, you know, your stuff and you talk, but you talk too much. And then, 
bam, another one. Cha-cha. You know, and so today I came in. I, I, I did take my notes last night. I was like, I'm going to do better. And so this is encouraging. Good. Luca, yeah, this is good. you have done so let's awesome not get today. too celebratory okay. because we still okay, have we another half okay, yeah well, so gosh, he might okay. sign off all right, all right, all right. <laughs> stay with it stay with yeah, okay with team thank you so much for joining us here today luca thank you very excited for My part pleasure. two mike thank you for sharing the mic with me today as Absolutely. always you know you're doing a great job i just want to say you're ready for this hosting <laughs> thing i know i feel like a little Finally. stuffy like a stuffed animal like i'm here for emotional support <laughs> Would, you just need me here to I just would, off I me running. I always need you. Yeah, yeah. I would He's never like, be on. able to do there this There he is, there he is. Okay, I got a few questions for <laughs> you, Luca. Pacifying. Exactly. Yeah. All right, team. All Thank right. you so much for tuning in. We'll see you back on the Kaiser Show very soon. <laughs>